The Runaway. The Puppet Master. Nightmares and Daydreams. These are the three episodes we'll be reviewing today on Avatar, The Last Podcast. I see you favor the White Lotus Gambit. Not many still cling to the ancient ways. Those who do can always find a friend. Then let us play. Try to understand. I need to capture him to restore something I've lost. My honor. I wasn't ready. I wouldn't listen. I'm never gonna firebend again. Who lit Toph on fire? Thank you for listening to The Last Podcast. I, as always, am Kellen Scrimmins. I'm Stephanie Ives. And I'm Randy Forbuster. And so, guys, how's it been the last month? The, the weather's certainly gotten better, that's for one. It's, it's warmer. Yes. It is. We really haven't had that bad of a winter, which is pretty nice. That's true. No, I, I do just remember the last episode that we did, there was, uh, it was like the middle of a week-long cold snap, and we're all bitching about that. Yeah, like, like yeah. true Winnipeggers do, even though we know yeah. it's coming. But it was like our yeah. only cold snap yeah. so far it's like, like this year. It's like plus two out right now, yeah. Yeah. for the middle of February, it's, which is yeah. pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty darn nice, gotta say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I only plugged my car in that one week. Besides that, I haven't plugged my car in that often, which you usually have to do in order to keep them running, but mm-hmm. not so far this year, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Anything else been going on with the rest of you? We did Winterfest. We did do Winterfest. Yes. I didn't get to do as much of Winterfest as I would have wanted because I had another family social I had to go to, so what would you guys say were the highlights that you got to see? Uh, <laughs> it was just like a big anime social. Yeah, I mean, like I enjoyed... Doing my doing the game show for the first time, which was uh, a big hit, partially because there was nothing else to do at that time, and I was using the big microphone, so yeah. there was like nothing else to really pay attention to but me. You were scared to use that microphone. At I first, was scared man. to use the microphone at first, but, but I, I got used to it. I also became the unofficial music guy for the social and like before dance. the DJs showed up. Yeah, so that yeah. was that was pretty neat. I got to. Eventually, it devolved into Disney music, so everyone can do sing-alongs. But I'm pretty sure that those people who, had, who did sing-alongs had a very fun time doing so. So mm-hmm. yeah, and you also played lots of Pokemon music. Yeah, yeah. lots of stuff. So it, it, it was a good time. Uh, I enjoyed my first official event as staff. It was pretty fun. One other thing that I'm definitely stoked for, and may related, and yes, I'm going to plug the other show because. Well, by the time this episode goes up, episode 100 of Animazing Podcast will have gone up. I am so stoked that I actually managed to get that far, and just episode 99, which just came out, well, for where I am right now, a few days ago, would have been a little over a week at this point, had the interview with Talison Jaffe, then it's going to be the start of the Beck review, I know I've reviewed Beck a few times, but this is episodic, and it's with Mike Sims, so check that out. But uh, before you do that, listen to the rest of this episode, because we're going to be bringing some awesome for you. And we'll begin that awesomeness with our emails. Our first email comes from our good friend Arno, who sent this via the form mailer at thelastpodcast.net. He says, hi there, Uh, two months ago I had the idea to send you another email, but for some reason when I was typing I got distracted and forgot the whole thing. Even the stuff that I had actually wanted to mention. But last month's podcast brought it back to me. The music. There are three movies slash series from which the music can really give me goosebumps, and these are The Lion King, The Land Before Time, and, of course, Avatar. 
because if you can invent such an amazing instrument as the snoogie horn and let the final scene begin with such a magnificent song, that's truly amazing. Also, the music from the final Agnikai, spoiler, uh, fits and describes the scene perfectly. This said about the music, I have another thing. God, this email's getting long. Uh, to be honest, before I heard your podcast, I didn't really like the season two finale. Not in comparison to the other season finales, but now I've heard your guys' commentary, I look at it in a completely different way and like it much more. So thanks for that. So these are the things I wanted to share with you. Keep up the awesomeness, Arno. Yeah, thanks, Arno. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for nice. the... Uh, thank you for the... Compliments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for finishing my sentence there. Never um, and in case people are wondering, the God, this email is getting long. I was actually part of the email. I'm not commenting on the length of Arno's emails. <laughs> Make them as long as you want. They're great. I love these. I love that we actually have, you know, a... You know, Belgian fan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, music. We've we've talked about that quite in depth mm-hmm. at quite yeah. a few points right now. So there's no real need to rehash it. For those that may have skipped, I do believe it was the last episode. Actually, we went in pretty big detail on it. The Agni Kai music he mentions is like my favorite music. Yeah, I love it. But because that is in the future, we will yes. get to that when we get to that. And our second email comes from my future roommate in Chicago, Will Ackerman. Of course, you may know him as the co-host of Hey Girlfriend on Earth to Dine at the Show, as well as the Whedonverse podcast, Big Damn Heroes. And he says, hello all, I've been listening from the start and only now realize I've never sent in feedback to you guys, so here it goes. I was more than a little surprised that The Beach was Steph's long-awaited Perfect Ten episode. <laughs> this isn't because the episode was bad in my eyes, it would be a Perfect Ten for me also. No, no, no. I was personally going to bet on the Southern Raiders. Since more than any episode, I believe this one adds the most fire to the Zutara shipping arguments. And yes, I do realize what an awful pun that was. (laughs) As is, glad that you all loved this truly awesome episode. As is, I really enjoy season three because it's very straightforward. Yes, we get some terrible episodes like The Painted Lady, but there are more than a few episodes deserving of nines and tens. The freaking creepy ending of The Puppet Master still gives my spine tingles. Anyway, keep up the good work. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the next couple episodes. Hope you all have a mystic adventure. Will. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) When he sent me the email, I knew exactly what he was doing, even if he wouldn't admit to it. It will be explained in the future, people. Consider this a viral teaser of some kind. Okay, let's not... (laughs) Um... Okay, um, yeah, I really like the beach. (laughs) And I, I actually don't, like I, well, we'll get to the Southern, the Southern Raiders, but I don't like it as much as I think people are going to expect me to like uh, it. I don't like it at all. Uh, really? I like it, oh, I just don't like it as much it, as I think had, people will think had, I like it, has, it but it, it has, has a lot of issues. It has a lot of issues. Although I have a theory uh, about that episode. The least of which is is the pacing. The pacing is that series is, is that I know, weakest. I will explain, I have a theory about why the pacing's bad, I have a theory. I think I know what your theory is. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that too. You I agree think, with it? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> we'll get I, back. We'll get there. We'll get, we'll back get there. there. Uh, anyhow, Will, thank you very much for sending that in. How could you do this to me? You betrayed me. You brought this on yourself. I had no choice. Today's first episode is The Runaway. 
This episode begins with Katara turning Toph into the authorities for reasons unexplained. Via flashback, we see that Toph has been running various scams to, to provide money for the group, much to Katara's dismay. Toph has a bounty placed on her head, and Katara turns her in to scam more money. The whole thing turns out to be a trap, though, by Zuko's hitman in order to get the group. Katara is able to facilitate an escape for the group, thanks to some very creative waterbending. Randy, what do you think of this episode? Um, th this episode is good, but ultimately forgettable. Uh, I, always, I always gloss over this episode whenever I'm thinking of the show. This is just an episode that's there. It serves a purpose, but it just has nothing lasting in it. I mean, like, there, there's a few moments, like Sokka, Sokka trying to come up with a name for Combustion Man, starting off with Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Um, and be besides that, it's just another Katara Toph episode, and they had already kind of resolved that in uh, the chase, and I, and I don't think they really need to go back to it again. Yeah. Uh, I understand that it's also more about Katara well. being motherly and and taking care of the group and the relationship she has with Sokka about that too, uh, but uh, ultimately it just kind of I forget about it in the end. You do make a good point in the sense that it is forgettable, where it's like, I, I see the runaway, it's like, I totally forget what happened in this episode, I do not know what this episode is about, and then I start watching it, and it's like, this is actually really, really good, like, why do I forget this one? It is a, a like I said, really, really top-level episode for my, for my money. Just everything that Toph does, I... It kind of feels like towards the end they're trying to redeem Katara for being such a bitch in certain episodes. Painted lady. <laughs> um, and by the end of it, they make you really root for her just because of what she is doing. Yeah, I thought it was... Like, I didn't think it was bad that they had another Toph Katara episode just because, like, even though it got resolved in the chase, like you said, Randy, um, like, just because one conflict they had gets resolved doesn't necessarily mean, like you know, other ones won't well, yeah, come they, up. Especially when they have such opposite personalities. Bingo. No, I mean, you hit it right on the head there. I mean, they don't change their personalities, so those two personality types will obviously come into conflict with one another. I loved all the scams that Toph pulled in this episode. Just yeah, from the were. first one where they're playing, like, the shell game, and it's like, who, me? I'm just a blind little girl. How do I play this game? Yeah. And then swindles him for, like, everything he's worth, and then they go into slight, like, the first one was good because you're cheating a cheater, and there's some sort of morality to it, when you literally just, you know, you know, cause the w wagon to bump, and you're <laughs> yeah. lying there, and then, like, in a Bugs Bunny cartoon motif, you have Sokka there with his, you know, beard disguise, and the money starts appearing in his arms. Yeah. Yeah. Once you, I don't know, once you pull the, like, oh, you hit a child, give me money, you're just a, a complete scam artist, then. You're not even cheating cheaters. You're just cheating people, which kind of, I don't know, kind of rubbed me the wrong way because they just went so far. Yeah. And, like, into basically, like, pure bad guy territory. Well, and th but that was that was the only one of them. And I, like, if they would have explained or if they would have brought back, like, it's, you know, it's obviously a villainous person, but it's just some random guy. Like, roll, throwing dice in the alley, okay, fine. You know, screwing the guy that's trying to cheat you on the shell game, that's fine. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that was the one that kind of put it over yeah. the top. I did love this, the reaction to it, though, when they, when they end up having, you know, 
Toph has the wanted poster, and they start bringing it back to her. Can you explain this? It sounds like a sheet of paper. Can you yeah. tell me what's on it? <laughs> and then when I think it was uh, Sokka does just a little bit later, it's like... No, Katara does Oh, no, Katara. Yeah. Right, yeah, Sokka did the first time Katara. Can you explain this? What is wrong with you people? I can't read! That was funny. <laughs> that was one of my favorite top moments. Uh, yeah. Um, hockey. Oh, hockey. <laughs> the yeah. story of hockey, the hawk. Am I the only one that felt like they were just kind of parodying the new character syndrome a little bit? Uh, <laughs> not, not really. Not really. I mean, like, it served its purpose in the end, taking the letter to Toph, and Sokka, like, wanted a hawk, too. And with, with, sending with the letter to really. Toph's parents. Yeah. But, I, I, I don't know, like, honestly, it, it kind of reminded me of the way that the Simpsons did the episode where Roy shows up in the house... Where, like, he's there for the oh, yeah. one episode, and he's, you know, brought up and interested, but, like, no explanation is really given. Yeah. I mean, there's more of an explanation, he bought a messenger hawk. But because, especially in this show, where the animal characters, like Momo and Appa, are characters unto themselves, and it kind of felt like they're introducing this character that is not wanted or needed into it, and they're just kind of parodying, you know, like, you know, like how Sock is talking to it like it's an actual person, but it doesn't react like an actual person. Yeah. The only time it really reacts like other characters would is when Appa pretty much tells him to shut up. Oh, that yeah, was awesome. That was but, yeah, I, I thought, if it was, I thought it was done pretty well for that. Otherwise, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, plot development thing. I don't really care. I thought it was funny. I was okay on it. I mean, no, I, I liked hockey. I, I thought it was. I thought Sokka's interaction with hockey was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I I liked how Sokka's uh, stereotypical get the two friends to be friends again plan utterly failed <laughs> as yeah. soon as like because he's he, he's like we'll send a message to Guitar from Top and then <laughs> like as he does well Angs like you continue to <laughs> yeah <laughs> saying his good ideas. And as soon as Katara gets it, she, like, immediately turns to Sokka and says, like, I know it's from you. Toph can't write. He's like, how, how do we miss that? that? How do we miss that? Like... <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, uh... what did you think... Okay, what did you think of the beginning being that cold open of Katara's throwing the Toph to the cops? Oh, I really liked how they did that. I generally enjoy when shows utilize that, um, way of writing beginning... It's, oh... What's it called? It's called In Media Res. Yes. Uh -huh. I feel smart. Uh, when they start, like, in the middle mm -hmm. um, of a story and they just kind of throw you into the plot, mm -hmm. um, and then I guess they go back and show yeah. you everything that happened in the beginning to get to that point. Does, does, like anyone that does anyone remember the show Grounded for Life, where they pretty much, their entire format, like, every episode followed that format? Oh, I never watched that show. The OC did that a couple times in yeah, season like, four. Yeah, where you get to like, okay, like here's the end. It's like, like wait, how did we get from where we are, where we know to this, and just yeah. pulling that whole thing? And it worked really well here. There was, uh, I think it was the late Mr. Kent was an episode of Superman that did it really well too. I mean, it's it's a plot that tends to lend itself towards good episodes because you want to see how you're getting to where you're going. Yeah, and. The ending, I really, really liked it. Okay, remember way back in season one, whenever they'd have a new way for Aang to use his airbending, and I'd usually give like the, sco the episode score another point, because, like, ooh, they're being creative, they're being creative. Um, between this and the next episode, Katara and the waterbending is awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's why I kind of thought this episode was a little weird, because 
Um, they show Katara with her creative water bending, and they're like, oh, Katara, it shows us that, oh, Katara can be creative with her water bending. But then the next episode just kind of reiterates that even more, so it kind of makes this one a little useless. Yeah. It, it's a like, lead in, though. Yeah. Because, uh, I, I guess. mean, we'll, I'll get into, a, into it a little bit more when we actually go over that episode, but it, de- it definitely does lead into it. Um, and I kind of do like a seamless lead in, especially with the last season of this, where, and you do tend to get more of that. Yeah. I guess it just kind of makes the Puppet Master overshadow any progress made in this one. And you know what? You may have a good point in that because, once again, Randy said it off the bat and I said it again, too. This episode does get forgotten. I think it's a really, really great episode, but it does kind of get forgotten yeah. because of, you know, the two episodes before it and the episode after it. I agree. Definitely agree. Uh, I, I think that that's part of the reason why this episode kind of gets overlooked, too, is because, like, there's no real progress in it. Like, we see Combustion Man again, and this is where he gets his name, but, like, aside from, from that, there's nothing else that moves the story well, forward. no, I, I mean, it moves Toph's character forward a little bit, where she admits that she misses her parents and right. she sends them. It, it moves, so it shows a little character growth Yeah, it, for it her. moves the characters forward, but it doesn't move the no, plot forward. I think whereas, that... whereas, like, the beach... It, it, like, it moved the characters forward in a very plot-related sense, because, like, Zuko's characterization is directly related to the, to the plot, and yeah. seeing, Zeus, seeing Zuko question himself and question why he's unhappy is directly related to what happens to him in Day of Black Sun, whereas nothing that happens in this episode is relevant later on, except True. maybe the sweat-bending, mm-hmm. yeah. totally, and that's related to the very next episode, so it doesn't even really matter that much. Yeah, that's true. What do you think of Combustion Man's weakness being outed pretty easily? Attack the third eye and he pretty much blows himself up? Uh, I think it was necessary to put it here, like, so that it didn't come out of left field when yeah. Yeah. it was time for to, him to, to be To defeated. establish it, yeah. Yeah, it had to be established, and, you know... I thought it was a little weird how it was established, in that uh, the characters didn't really notice what had happened. Like, he basically did it to himself. Yeah. <laughs> so... It was established for the audience, yeah, basically. I guess. What I'm about to show you, I discovered in that wretched Fire Nation prison. The guards were always careful to keep any water away from us. They piped in dry air and had us suspended away from the ground before giving us any water. They would bind our hands and feet so we couldn't bend. Any sign of trouble was met with cruel retribution. And yet each month I felt the full moon enriching me with its energy. There had to be something I could do to escape. Then I realized that where there is life, there is water. The rats that scurried across the floor of my cage were nothing more than skins filled with liquid. And I passed years developing the skill that would lead to my escape. Blood bending, controlling the water in another body, enforcing your own will over theirs. Once I had mastered the rats, I was ready for the men. And during the next full moon, I walked free for the first time in decades. My cell unlocked by the very guards assigned to keep me in. Once you perfect this technique, you can control anything or anyone. But to reach inside someone and control them? 
I don't know if I want that kind of power. The choice is not yours. The power exists. And it's your duty to use the gifts you've been given to win this war. Katara, they tried to wipe us out, our entire culture. Your mother. I know. Then you should understand what I'm talking about. We're the last waterbenders of the Southern Tribe. We have to fight these people whenever we can. Wherever they are with any means necessary. Our next episode up today is The Puppet Master. In this episode, the gang comes across a mysterious village where many disappearances have occurred. They meet an old innkeeper named Hama, who reveals that she is a waterbender from the Southern Tribe who was captured by the Fire Nation. Hama teaches Katara new techniques and reveals to her that she is the one behind the kidnappings. In the resulting battle, Katara is forced to use Bloodring against Hama, who is then imprisoned, but not before showing her delight that her dark practices have been passed on to a new generation. Steph, what do you think of the episode? I thought it was really creepy. I agree. Uh, I thought it was super creepy, and I really, um, I don't know, I just, I really didn't like how they were snooping around the house, actually, that part of the whole episode, that's the part that really stands out for me, which is weird. Um, but I just thought that was so rude. <laughs> just Sokka. I know, and but... if there's any one person that might actually act like that, I don't think it's too far to Sokka's character. Yeah, and and the whole time, Katara, Katara was like, Stop "Don't do it. this! No, 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 no!" Until the until the very end, when the box got unlocked, when then Katara, yeah, and then Katara she's was right back but, in there. But then, because of what it was, it makes sense that she would be interested in it. Well, no, but she, she didn't know what it, it was. Because oh. Katara was like, "I got it open," and then Katara was walking away. Immediately runs back, and all four of their faces are crowned drunk. Yeah, them. right. I, I think that, that was, was just more, of a funny a, more for a sight gag than anything. I think so it too. It was funny, um, but yeah, this episode was super creepy, and that Hama lady. <laughs> now, yeah. now, when I when you say creepy, because I do agree, but when you say creepy, as in creepy off-putting or creepy, it draws you in. Um, I thought it drew. I guess it draws you in. Like I thought. I don't know, like, the concept of the episode kind of bored me a little, honestly. I know, I know that's so, like, what? Because the episode is and in- introduces an interesting concept. I don't know. <laughs> I just, it is, it, the creepy element to it, I thought, was utilized well, though. Yeah, uh, I think that this was, like, the horror episode of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what, what I mean. And, like, it, it's immediately introduced with them telling horror stories around the campfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably why I wasn't too into it, because I'm not interested in horror movies at all. And I am, so this is probably why I liked it a little more than you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a horror guy by any stretch, but I freaking loved... Let me reiterate, I loved the second half of this episode. The first half was... Yeah, I agree. The second half is way better than the first half. I disagree, because you need, like, part of the horror setup is that you need to get the suspense up before you make your reveals. What suspense, though, until until we see the the comb? The comb is in the first act break. That's, uh, that's like, the first... Okay, that's still, like, seven, eight minutes into the the show. Yeah. Yeah, and it could have been more interesting to get to that point. It was pretty boring to begin with. Well, because we're but like, and we're still trying to figure out what Hama's secret is, and her secret is like like the first part of that is trying to figure out what this scary lady is up to, and you need the setup that there's that town people have gone missing. You need you need the setup that they find this old lady and they, and she's a little too trusting. You need to get them looking through the house and and getting the creepy stuff before you get your first reveal, which is that she's the waterbender. Instead of, yeah. instead of creepy, which which kind of brings your guard down before it, it before it goes back up with her being creepy again. You can make let my guard down without it approaching painted lady levels of boring. 
I don't think it was no, painted not, lady not levels of boring. There was there was the t- the town was was mis- like was creepy enough to to keep building up that suspense for that for the reveals. I, I thought that you need you need a slower pace for a horror episode if homage, I, which I can, this was. If I can draw the comparison, okay. Townsfolk being secretive about some mysterious force. Same thing happened in Painted Lady. Only this time it turned out to be something ridiculously awesome, and the other it was be- Katara being yeah, on like, hey, but, I'm right! But Painted Lady was, wasn't was setting up suspense for a suspense story. It was setting up suspense for a mystery story. This is this is a suspense story where you need where you but need I the long, drawn-out stuff to, yeah. to, make, honestly, to, make, to make the genre work. I honestly never got a real sense of where it was going, though, until we start seeing, you know, Hama take talking about her, you know, the past in the prison camps. And that's when the episode starts going, 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 yeah, going, going. Yeah, I agree. It really starts getting momentum at that part. Yeah, but there's still, the, 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 like, the, the, but first, the, the first part still has... necessary. But the first, the first part still has, has merit. Like, you still need the town, the, the story of the town, the, the surrounding issue of the town, which is the people are missing... To make any of the other stuff work. Yeah, I'm not saying that you don't need it. I'm just saying that the way that no, it was laid out was a little boring. I, I don't know if it was, I wouldn't. I, I still don't call it boring. I think I it was unnecessary. Kind of boring. Anyhow, I, I don't think we're going to uh, sway any three yeah. of our opinions on that. So moving on. Uh, yeah. Once we really get into it, Hama Hama may be one of my favorite one-off characters ever at this point. And Tress McNeil does an amazing job with that voice work. Yeah, the voice work on her was mm-hmm. really good. I mean, the, she's really believable. And Tress McNeil, I mean, if you don't recognize the name, just look her up. She's done everything. She's been Dot Warner. She's been on Futurama. She's, you know, she's been a regular, you know, backup voice for a lot of places. And she's one of those people that she can put her voice just about wherever you need it to be. And everything about her just. From the second she realized that she has a pupil to teach in Katara, and you can just see the gears turning in her head, and you can just see where the character's coming from, the way that they build her from being, you know, she was from the Southern Water Tribe, so you got that empathy there. You know exactly what happened, you know, and you get to see what happened to her, and then you get to see the prison camp. I can't honestly hate this character after seeing what she went through, despite what she did. And honestly, like, if it wasn't for the fact it was on, you know, Nickelodeon and a kid's show, like, I, I, I kind of have it in my head, it's like, this is the way they show it, where, you know, she's walking out and she slams the guy's face back into the, into the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in my head, it's like, I'm willing to bet that if this wasn't a kid's show, she just totally turned his head around on his neck. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I think that you should think that she's a villain for what she does, because she's not doing this to prison guards, she's doing this to just everyday Fire Nation citizens. Yeah. And which, which, makes, which makes her a villain, there's, there's no two questions about it. Once you start enacting your revenge on innocent people, you're a bad guy. Well, she got so power hungry, right? Yeah. She's no different than Fire Lord Ozai. Exactly. She's, she's messed she in the head, doesn't though. matter if she's messed she in the head, she shouldn't. She still becomes evil. Like, like she's not. She's not. She's not. It, it's not forgivable for what she does at uh, all. We can we can go into a huge discussion about mental states and right. what have you. She doesn't belong. I'd be of the opinion she doesn't belong in a prison. She belongs in a mental ward. She yeah. belongs in an institution. Like Azula. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, now, granted, different different things afflicting them. Azula yeah. is just crazy from birth. Hama, okay, for all we know, she was, but from what we see here, she was driven insane because of the conditions that she was put through. Right, and she started out learning, like, doing the bloodbending. She started out to only save herself, and then she got out, and I guess maybe she was bitter about the fact she got captured, and so she's attacking anyone and anything that's Fire Nation, which mm-hmm. she took it too far. Once again, I'd, I'd almost go so far as to say, like I said, it's... It's an in-her-head thing. She, Her brain is damaged. It's not, you know, if, if she was of sound mind, she would not be doing these sort of things. Well, so it, there is... That's true. So there is an <laughs> element of sympathy. Like, and granted, this is just... I, I'm kind of revealing myself, you know, Kellen here and the way I feel on certain issues, but it, it's more you should feel sympathy for her than rage. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't really... I, I feel bad that that was the conditions that she was imprisoned in, but I don't feel bad that that's what she did. Like, she be, she could have just gone on and escaped or f- would have made her life, but instead she decides to start, like, bringing people into this place and killing them, basically. Now, regardless of, ha- of how we see this character, I-, I still love this character. The way that she teaches Katara, that, like, even when we haven't revealed, just the way the voice work is done, you can see this tinge of evil in it. Just in the imagery of killing all the flowers to take the water out for a demonstration. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, reassuring Katara, you know, you're using so you're a very resourceful person, you're a person that I can teach this stuff to, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. And then when we finally learn, you know, what the bloodbending is, it's like, Okay, now that is innovative and pretty cool shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was a cool idea. Yeah. It was also like, like the fandom had that idea for like... Yeah, since, I, since, since I, like I the had very read start. about that. Mm-hmm. The fandom had had that idea. And it had been used in fiction, fan oh, fiction yeah. a lot. A whole yeah. bunch. It's the same with like, same with any extreme of, of bending. Like, air could be used to suffocate someone. Everything like that. Yeah. That's a big theory in fandom, right? That, uh... The airbenders, when the firebenders came in to try and take the air temple, that they would like take the air out of their lungs. Yeah, stuff like that. So it's like it 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 it, it wasn't a preposterous idea that the blood bending would happen. Uh, I think that uh, over like overall this episode is great, mm-hmm. and I think that especially the end fight, like the lighting. Oh yeah, the it, lighting it is, is everything good. in that in, in the, that yeah. fight. The animation. If there, if there was no li- mm-hmm. if there was no if the lighting wasn't as good as it was in the episode, like we wouldn't get the the suspense that we got in that last scene. We wouldn't get like any of the real impact, like it, as if it were like if it happened in, like daylight or something. Yeah, honestly, because those shadows and the shadow work they did on the but, characters yeah, really worked. It had to be moonlight. Uh, like, yeah, it had yeah, to be well, yeah. Moon. yeah, that fight scene if not for one thing, may have been my favorite fight scene in the entire show. What, Sokka and Aang can talk. Mm. They shouldn't have been able... Like, it's not only... Okay, number one, they talk, which they shouldn't be able to if their bodies are being fully possessed. Like, no, I'm going to leave just the facial muscles available so that they can make quips. Like, sorry, Aang, <laughs> don't worry about it. It's like, okay, that really... like. 
it's not, like I said, not only the fact that they actually can, but the fact that they're making these, you know, light-hearted jokes and what is it, you really yeah. darkly lit, But the thing is, how do you bite. think that scene, like, how dark do you think that scene would have been had Sokka and Aang not been making quips? Like, super dark. Yeah. And I would actually argue that it might have been too dark for Nickelodeon. Oh, I agree completely. So they had to, like, they like, had to lighten it up. Like, 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 this is Avatar. I don't disagree with you, I'm like, just like, saying that. But like, but like, again, like, this is Avatar, and like... It's a quippy show. It's a quippy show. Like, 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 you can't, you, this show can't ever go, can't ever go full, full dark on, dark, like, like, yeah. if they weren't going to talk, it would have. Like, the talking, like, alleviated the mood enough so that it wouldn't, it wouldn't terrify the younger viewers more than it already was. Yeah. I want to be terrified. I was a little kid. I was terrified of punch. Uh, yeah, that was but the you best didn't watch stuff. this as a yeah, little kid. But you didn't watch this as a little kid. Like, like even like I don't know, like the shows, the horror shows we grew up with. Like even Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark still had like quips. Like they had to times. tone down Lord Zed because he was too scary. Yeah, like that actually and happened. That, and that's when everyone of this generation pretty much agrees. That's when he started sucking. Oh, he got so funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Very, but my my point is that like like this show is is designed for children or younger audiences, so it can't it can't be full on scary because because that just isn't appropriate for the age group that they were designed for. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was what Y seven, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like they they can't go full on scary. So the humor was kind of needed. Uh, Also, if the bloodbending really worked the way that, like, like, really worked, then, like, stopping all blood flow would probably kill you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, like, there has to be some blood flow, which would give them not full control over the, over their bodies, over, like, their heavy things like their arms and stuff, but, like, which is what you'd be focusing on. It would be their arms and stuff, and probably would give the mouth muscles and the mouth blood and the tongue blood still room to move, because okay. that wouldn't be what she was focusing her bending on. Oh, and once again, we can keep going down this road. Okay, if Sokka, you can write off. Aang having control of any part of his body, you know he'd be able to airbend something up to defend himself with. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but, I, but, but, but also, like, like I mean, that's not how the story was going to work. The story only works if both Aang and Sokka are fully controlled and the only way to stop it is Katara blood bench, which is how it has to work, which is how the episode has to end. It can't. I, it, can't I, it can't work. I get what you're saying, but you're for, I get what you're saying, but you're forgiving plot holes. You're just out out of hand forgiving things that don't necessarily make sense, even in this universe. There's lots of times that Aang probably could have done bending to get himself out of a situation, and he doesn't. Yeah, I, I think that's happened. Like, there's, I think there's a few other times in the series where you could say, like, "Oh, well, he could have bent yeah, with his it, mouth and been like." Yeah, there, there, there's a bunch of those of those times, and like, even then, like his his arms are are stuck, and you can only some you, like you can only do a lot of your bending when you have the full control of your arms, and you do the movements too. Like the movements is kind of directly related to the martial arts. The most Aang could have done is like how he does in the first episode when he like blows away the guards with his hands behind his back. So say when Sokka's being charged at him at full force with a sword hanging out, he couldn't do the same thing to yeah, avoid being nailed? Well, but, but I mean, like, even then, like, you don't know if he, if he, if he, like, he's probably more focused on that his arms aren't moving than the, than the fact that he could blow someone. Which is... <laughs> uh, <laughs> that he could blow someone... <laughs> 
We're children. Best line um, since cares deeply for dick on earth2.net. Uh, 2012 he, awards. We're coming. That he can blow someone away <laughs> with his breath. <laughs> right? I really, I don't think that... that I, I, I don't see it as a plot hole. And apparently I'm the only one who can keep talking. <laughs> so, no. so how about uh, uh, anyway. how Katara, you know, she's normally graceful and what have you, and, you know, she's t- she can have, be bitch rage, but she's not usually, like, rage rage. And now she is. She shows that she can be. She was horrified. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and, like, especially, like, the, the last shot of this, the last, like, scene in this episode. It's pretty powerful. Where, yeah, yeah it, Where it, it shows really the moon. Where, yeah, and, and, and she's crying. She's crying, and Hama's, like, proud that she passed on this bloodbending to another generation. And just, like, everything is just, like, really has this creepy thing. And, like, now Katara knows that, like, she knows this art now. And that there's no time what kind of situation could arise that could force her to use it. Whereas if she didn't know about it, she w- or she didn't know how to do it... She would she, find a different way. She would find a different way. Yeah. Uh, which obviously will come into play in a much later episode. Yeah. Invasion. All aboard for the invasion. You don't look so good. You sure you can't just lie down for a little nap? I told you, I can't go back to sleep. Aang, staying up all night can't be good for you. Actually, staying up all night has given me some time to think. And I've realized some big things, Katara. What big things? I see everything so clearly now. What really matters? Why I'm really doing this? I'm doing it to save the world, but more than that, I'm doing it for the people I love. I'm doing it for you, Katara. Aang, what are you saying? I'm saying, I love you. What are we doing? What our hearts have been telling us to do for a long, long time. Baby, you're my forever girl. Aang? Huh? I was just saying you should take a nap. Oh, I guess I kind of drifted off into a daydream. What was your dream about? Uh, living underwater? Sounds neat. (laughs) Whew. Our final episode today is Nightmares and Daydreams, in which Aang is plagued by nightmares about the upcoming invasion and is unable to relax. Meanwhile, Zuko thinks he has not been invited to an important war meeting. Kellen, what do you think about this episode? That, that's about it, really. It is! <laughs> it's an okay episode. It's fun to see what they do in the dream space that Aang oh, has. Oh, God, I love Dragon Ball yeah. Aang. Yeah, or, 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 I, I think it was because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, because when he does his, like, introduction, when he's, like, dressed as Goku pretty much in the first dream, and he's doing, like, all, like, the hand motions, like, I'm thinking more, like, his Dragon Ball look, but Sailor Moon acting... Yeah, that's true. Or like just anime acting. Yeah, in anime. general, it, it was exaggerated it, 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 anime. It is definitely a love letter, a love letter to the anime influence. I mean, then the second one that's Bash the Stampede, right? Uh, yeah, Stampede. I think yeah. so. Um, and of course, you have like the general dream issues. Um, okay, what was the first one? You're not wearing any pants. Like crap, I'm not. Uh, second one. 
Now, did you study for your math test? Uh, the third one, the I slept through the invasion, which, by the way, for someone that works for an anime con, happens way too much. I slept yeah. through the important event I was supposed to be there for. Yeah. Oh, that's my worst fear, this upbringing. <laughs> Sleeping through the yeah. entire thing. No, it, it is the most irrational thing ever, but it's I still get, like, two dreams of it every year. It's like, I'm I slept sure. the entire weekend. I'm sure I'll wake you up, Randy. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the I've slept through the invasion, and then Ozai's... Like riding on a flying grunty from that hack is the closest yeah. thing I could. Hippo elephant. Yeah, close enough. That's pretty much what a grunty is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then there's the actual prophetic dream that he has. Yeah, which is okay. That one was creepy. It was and, creepy, and it, and it does actually play into the rest of the series. And then there was the uh, the daydream. What yeah. happened in that? Oh my week? god! <laughs> you know what? That part is so funny. Where he's like, "Baby, you're my forever yeah, girl." Because no. well, that's the greatest cheesy because, line ever. Okay. It is. It starts off. Funny. It starts off so realistic because the whole the whole time, uh, the rest of them are worried about Aang not getting enough sleep, and it starts off with Katara being worried about Aang, and yeah. then and then Aang starts like. Talking to her about his feelings and that how he loves you, and then and that how he loves her, and then Katara is is taken aback at first, and then Aang starts going a little <laughs> like too far with his speeches. He starts to sound like he's actually like saying a speech, and then baby, you're my favorite girl. And by that point, you uh, you know, but like yeah. it starts it starts off like like even up to like when he says he loves her. It, it's realistic, but like after, yeah, it after, after that, it's just, it, it goes too far. I think the first time that I watched this episode, I didn't realize that it was a daydream, like, at all. At, first, at all? Even the baby in my front I don't think so. Honestly, it, I, I don't remember. That, that was the thing that snapped, I think it was like, okay, no, that's going to, and then it's like, gone. I remember the first time I watched it, when I actually went down this route, it's like, this is too sudden. Please tell me that you're... Please tell me this is a mulligan. Please tell me this is a mulligan. Okay, it's a mulligan. They can do it right later. <laughs> but they never did. Well, they kind of did. They never did. They never did. <laughs> you people. Uh, no. G- g- they never, we'll get they never it. got it we'll right. We'll get to it. Anyway. We'll get to it. I hope that Aang seriously calls Katara his forever girl yeah. in the comics. That would be That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> um, first up are, again, like the sheep koalas. They're cute. Horrible. Yes. I want a plushie. And then at the end, when when they're all sheared and they're all sheared. <laughs> and they were all cold, yeah. I felt so bad for them. <laughs> but Aang needed his sleep. Yeah. Uh, but... I, I really enjoyed this. I thought and I thought this that was a really enjoyable. I thought out of the three that this was the strongest one because like Me too. it it's hard to it it's very hard to make dreams realistic. It is. I think I think the I think the only one that has gotten it completely right was Buffy. In the oh, I knew you were going to say that. Well, because it's, it's the only one that has you know gotten dream sequences right. I you know what I have to counter you with is that dream sequence at the end, the one that you said was prophetic. The yeah. whole time no, I, I was watching it, I could not stop thinking about the Buffy season four finale. I agree, because like, because it's in, cause, the same. Because in that one, there there's moments when like like Ang comes out of the rocks, and then it's a quick cut, and he comes out of the rocks again. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like, like th- that's very true. All I could think about was Faith being like five <laughs> by five, counting down. <laughs> I yeah. was like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, and then be back before dawn. Yeah. 
That we've episode. lost everyone who hasn't watched the movie. We've just pushed all of our yeah, people over to Will and Hannah's yeah. show. Puppies yeah. in four finale is like the best thing I've ever seen ever. The best way I've ever seen dreams done. Uh, and like this, this episode, like besides the perfect dream, uh, the rest of the dreams are kind of like the stereotypical dream sequences, but they're still done really well. They're fun. I, I, I love the they different. I liked the different art styles. I liked some of his delusions, like how when. Appa and Momo had the samurai fight. <laughs> yeah. That was so oh, awesome. Jeez, Momo Usagi Yojimbo was hilarious. It was. And, like, especially like when like Momo starts talking, and yeah. then he realizes, and like everyone comes up to him, and like it goes from a pan from like Toph to Katara to Sokka, and then to Appa, and, Appa <laughs> and, 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 and then and then he also talks, and then then it's just the just. It, it, it throws you out of nowhere. It, like, it comes out of nowhere. Like, you're expecting, like, him to be out of the daydream by that point. But then Appa's talking. Yeah. And then the guru shows up looking like Ganesh. Yeah, yeah I, again, like, so when, when I saw the guru, I was like, that's the cheese guy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one random thing that really has no meaning. Yeah. Uh, but like, I wear the cheese. Uh, it does not wear me. <laughs> Little half We've lost Kellen. We, um, we have lost Kellen. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> Um, the prophetic dream was actually really interesting, too. Because, like, everything that happens in that dream does more or less come into play at, at yeah. like, in, in the rest of the series. You're right. Like, there's Toph having no eyes, not being able to see. That happens uh, in the Western Air Temple mm-hmm. when Zuko yeah, yeah. burns her feet. Uh, there's Katara being engulfed in flames, which you can also see the flames as being the hatred for the Fire Nation, which happens in Southern Raiders. Uh, there's the Meteor, obviously. There's Sokka being captured by the Fire Nation, which happens in Boiling Rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's... Aang is under the water, there's a sheet of ice, and Zuko's on top. Uh, and I, I kind of see that as, like, Zuko is his only way to break free and and finally win, instead of Staying where he is. You said Zuko was the only person who could help him. Yeah, and Zuko he needs to break him. through and get to him. Because Zuko's the only one that can help him. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, like, like that dream. Yeah. Well, like at first, like you don't really it know what it's random. About. It does actually play into it a bit. Besides the Momo stuff, Momo really didn't have a <laughs> point. And then, like, Momo was always was actually, there. Yeah, like he was yeah. there at the that was actually ending like a, part. Yeah, it was like a, it was a big fan planet. theory that like Momo would have something big to do with the with the finale, but it never happened because because like, of the dreams. Like it ended up never happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but like the dream stuff, I, I thought all worked. It all worked really well, personally. I, I know for some reason you think that this is the weakest of the three. Of these three, yes. Once again, it doesn't mean it's bad. We're talking Avatar season three here. Yeah. I mean, you can still be, you know, excellent and be the worst of a group of three. That said, I wouldn't count this as excellent. Like, it just kind of felt... I don't know. Uh, there's a few things that just kind of bugged me about it. The fact that, I mean, we mentioned this before, they get they get to the rendezvous point four days ahead of time. Um, <laughs> pretty much just, you know, making Painted Lady even stupider now. Um... Yeah. And, and just the fact that it, it pretty much is them acknowledging that, you know, we have we just abandoned this whole plot arc and it was for the stupid episode. I didn't like that. Um, the, okay, the most, aside from the one dream, it really was kind of a pointless episode. Other than to just kind of, you know, reiterate, you know, Aang is still young and worried and blah, but it doesn't really come 
uh, you know, aside from the one prophetic dream, none of it really plays into the next episode all that much. Yeah, but, see, I disagree, because, like, like, Aang needs to feel unsure of himself before we can go to Day of Black Sun, well, where no, he and fully he, sure of himself. And he does, he but... Need, he, needs to, he needs to fully question himself, and I think that you kind of need a, a full episode, or at least an episode with an A plot and B plot, to have that work, to have, but they, to have Aang overcome his... his Feelings. But it came out of nowhere. It's, I don't it's think not it like did in come the. Out of I don't think it came out of nowhere. They could have done a much better job during the season of building up the fact that this final battle is coming, and I got to be ready for it. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we're here. Four days until we're gonna. Four days. Oh no! Yeah, ah, yeah. Ah, ah. Because because because, it, because the gravity it's of it is yeah, setting in. Because the gravity is finally setting in. Because before they like they had I, another like, goal in the way. They had they had a, they had goals on the way. Like yeah. they they do the runaway. They they they're in town. They're fighting off an evil bloodbender. They're being the painted lady and saving a river. There's yeah. things for him to keep his mind on. But when they're finally at the rendezvous point and nothing else is going to happen... Like this is the last piece when, and what it was all leading his, up to. That's when his anxiety would finally sit in. And where he would realize the gravity of the situation that he's in. And, like, they need to address that. Because like, they never addressed that, like, is he ready for yeah. it? Like, they've addressed that, like... This plan is happening, but they've never really addressed, like, is he ready for this? And that's what this whole episode is about. Well, I wouldn't say they have it's, not well, addressed, is he have, ready, like, in like, a training sense, but not in a mental confidence yeah. sense. Well, and once again, I think that's for. something that they should have done, that it could have been done better to actually, like, it doesn't have to take up the plot of every episode, but it could be a running subplot easily. Yeah. I, I don't think it can have been so easy. Like, like I really I can't know. think of any of these episodes where, like, they could introduce that plot and have it not affect the episode as a whole, which would change the, every other episode if he had some anxiety issue. Instead of just being Aang and having his anxiety when the day is there, like when it's in front of him, and he and he's finally realizing that he's going to have to be the one that fights Fire Lord, and it's going to be one-on-one, and he's going to have to do it. Oh, or even if it was the whole brought, time he's not feeling that's ready. Even if it was brought up in this way and it was integrated into Day of Black Sun, if Day of Black Sun was a three-part episode and they just jettisoned this and incorporated some of that in... I, I, I mean, this is a precursor. I, this is like a prologue to Day of Yeah, the, the, this is what happens before that. You can't have but him it having... But feels like there's too much but, of a bow on it at the end of this to go into, blame, into Day of Black there Sun. Isn't there the isn't bow. a bow. The, the bow is that he's confident, that he finally feels that he's confident to do it. And Day of Black Sun takes place directly, like... Like next direct, day. the next that, day, the I next that. morning. I get that. Like That's this, made this, very clear. This episode ends with him smiling in night because he's finally over his his anxieties, and the next day is the invasion. There's no there's no time to have some. There's no time to have a plot line in Day of Black Sun where he's feeling unsure of himself. He needs to feel he's sure of himself from the very start of Day of Black Sun, from the very start of the operation before anything, anything else takes place. He needs to know that he's ready to do it before. And they needed to address it, and that's what this episode was for. Well, that's was for like, They needed to address Aang, right? Because he would take longer. But they did address the fact that people were not confident in Day of Black Sun. They addressed Sokka, that he yeah. was not confident. Right? Was that I, Day of Black Sun? No, I think... I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. 
I, I don't. I, I think that's when Sokka, he was laying out the invasion plan to everybody, and he. Well, he, he wasn't sure of himself being the leader in Day of Black Sun. Right. Okay. So that's still yeah. a lack of confidence and not yeah. sure of yourself. But, yeah. Because well, his task well, is different well, than well, that's, yeah, exactly. that's a different. Okay, but different but thing it ties into here. what you're saying is that they needed to have that plot thread in Day of Black Sun, and they did, but they needed more time for Aang, and that's I think that's why the episode beforehand fits. Yeah, I, I, I still don't think it fits because if you remove this, okay, aside from the one prophetic vision and the stuff of Zuko. You remove this episode. I wouldn't say you feel like you're missing anything. I would. I, I, I would say because it's not just the dreams. It's what happens in in real life too. How he's how the whole time he's like I need to train more, and he's and he's yeah. consistently getting more because he's getting less sleep. He's getting more and more anxious, and all of his feelings are coming to the light. And and he's trying. And then he gets a good night's sleep, and he's back to good. But he's getting a good night's sleep because he because. His friends have seen what is was wrong. They've all tried helping, and then they they took they take it. They share all the koala sheep. They make a bed for him, and they all tell him that he can do it. Yeah, it wasn't the fancy it, bed that made Aang able to sleep. It was the speeches they gave him at the end, yeah. where they were sat they like, down and said, "You can do this. We've been watching you train since day yeah. one." The dreams were just were just a uh, a way to make Aang more anxious and more anxious for his friends to finally come in and, and give him the confidence that he needs. Like, the the, dream, the daydreams, they may be pointless, yes, besides the prophetic dream, but they're not the point of the episode. The point of the episode is that is that he's feeling like he's not prepared for this, even though he is, and, and that his friends need to help him with this, and his friends need to, they like, they tried... The hot yoga, which didn't work. They tried the the bed. They tried the psychology, and and eventually, like like, you just needed them to say that it was all right. It was all going to be okay. And you need him to keep getting more and more. You need, you need him to keep escalating to the point where he's like at his wit's end for his friends to come in and say it's going to be okay for it to work. And I mean, like that's, this isn't even mentioning the the Zuko stuff, which right. which, which is also. We, really we haven't even touched to, on the Zuko, yeah. so let's move but, on to that. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and But, like, the Zuko stuff, it's significantly less complicated. I think it's fairly straightforward. Yeah. But, uh, but, it, <laughs> but, in, but part of the... Especially the first time I watched it, I was much more interested in the Zuko stuff because you come off the beach and you come off the Avatar and the Fire Lord and then you get two episodes of nothing with them. Uh, which I was talking, talking with several of this earlier. Uh... I feel that that's pretty like it's necessary for well, it. Well, no, it's his, good to let it sit. Yeah, because his character arc, for the moment, like in the beach, it, it is done, and his character arc yeah. gets gets reintroduced. And this is again a precursor to what happens in Day of Black Sun, where you realize like he's he's feeling this this descent because like even though he's even though he is feeling bad about not being accepted by his father, even when he is accepted by his father. And he comes out. He realizes that he's that it, that's not what he wants to be. Yeah. Well, no, and I I definitely get that. But I was saying more from a case of just the way that I react to it. Because like I said, you go two episodes without it. That means you're going assuming that they did. You know, a, a, each episode was a week to a week to a week to a week. Which I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But even in that case, you're still looking at three weeks of you know you get all the stuff about Zuko and. I don't know about you guys, I was freaking salivating for more, and then they give you episode one without it, and episode two without it, and by the time they, even if it is this simple, you know, am I supposed to be at this war meeting? Turns out I was the whole time, and Azula was just trying to get in my head. 
it's still something to sink your teeth into that you wanted to see for those three weeks. And this definitely does fit for that, I, and it definitely does show off his character to an in some you know different ways, like the you know would you like uh, I forget what it's called, like the you know the, the carriage. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. no, the carriage. Where it's like, I'm just going to maze. It's like, no, we insist, and it's like right across the street. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a like five, five second steps. walk. Yeah. Also, also the Zuko fan girls who get taken away by yes. security. Yes, yeah, I really like that. Funny. That was, that was a, that was almost a prelude to Ember Island for the thanks fan service kind of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. There wasn't much Zuko stuff. Like the whole time, he was so unsure of himself and so like, oh, did I get invited to this work? He was kind of season one Zuko in yes. this episode. <laughs> Well, cause yeah, cause he wasn't like the whole time he he was, like even like Azula even told him flat out, yeah, you're supposed to be there because you're the prince, and, and, and like like even like when he asked like, well, did you get an invitation? And then she said yes, because I'm the princess, and like even, even like you could even take that as like like her invitation is that she's the princess, like she didn't actually get a real invitation because she's the princess and she knows that she's invited already. Yeah, but I feel like she might have... That might have been true, but she probably worded it that way to get into his head. I think so. Exactly. She probably didn't actually get an invitation. No, I don't don't think she did. I don't think she did. But, like, that stuff was was all really interesting, too. But it's weird. Like, I think this is, like, one of the few episodes where the stuff that happens to Aang is more compelling than the stuff that happens to Zuko. Really. We're all starting to get a little worried about you. You've been awake too long. And you're acting downright weird. You've got to take care of yourself. You can't go on like this. On to the scores for the three episodes that we reviewed today. First up, Randy, what did you think of The Runaway? Uh, I gave The Runaway a 7. I thought it was basically just good, solid, but nothing uh, special about it. At all, we like there. There's nothing that that I really like. Like I said, like it's 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 solid, but ultimately forgettable. And, and that that's why it's a seven. Yep, I agree. I gave it a seven for all of the same reasons. I actually gave it an eight. I mean, it, it is forgettable, but I was enjoying the episode the whole way through. Um, Katara is a bit of a, a bit of a bitch, as I was saying, but this is the episode where it starts to turn around, and I really did enjoy this one. Uh, for the Puppet Master, Randy. I'm giving the Puppet Master an 8. I thought that, well, first off, I'm a big fan of horror, so I think that's why I liked it a bit more than most than you guys did. Uh, I thought the creepiness was good, and the ending was the darkest ending that Avatar had. So I think that it, it gets an 8 for me. Uh, I give it a 7, I guess, just because I'm not really into horror stuff, so I'm... I appreciate what it was trying to do, but it's not really my thing. But it was really well done, and the animation in it was really good. Yep. I'm with Randy. I gave it an 8 as well. Uh, the only two knocks I had against it were, as I was saying, I, I still find the beginning to be a little bit boring, and the whole, you know, they can talk, even though they're under, you know, control thing. Those were the two markdowns for me. And uh, finally, Nightmares and Daydreams. What do you score this one, Randy? This might be an episode that I, that I'd have to go back and watch again, but I'm giving it a nine. I thought that it was uh, a very solid episode. I thought that uh, the way that Ang kept escalating to the very to the to his breaking point was was really good. And I I liked seeing 
like that all that, that Katara, Sokka, and Toph all really cared about him. And they all really wanted him to focus and try to calm down. And, and all the dreams were really cool, especially in the Momo Yujimbo, as I called mm-hmm. it, and, and the Oppo were both really cool. And I like the Zuko plotline too. And I think it's a really good setup for Day of Black Zone. Uh, I gave it an eight. I really liked all the pieces of it. You know, the, just the little funny pieces. Uh, the dumb little dreams, the prophetic dream, and um, the Momo and Appa fight was amazing. Um, the Zuko plot kind of annoyed me, so... <laughs> yeah, that's why it's a little old. I'm going to give this one a six. Uh, once again, <laughs> I found it to be very uh. middle of the road. Uh, the only thing that bumps it up from above average is that, like I said, and it might have to do with the fact that the previous two episodes were letting me wet my appetite, but it was the... Just that little Zuko stuff that gave it that extra bump over average. If you wish to get in contact with The Last Podcast, there's always a number of ways to do so. The first is by sending us an email at thelastpodcast at earth2.net. That's thelastpodcast, all in word, at earth-the-number-two.net. That is where all the email that you hear from us gets sent to, and that does include the form mailer on our website at thelastpodcast.net. There you can catch up on past episodes, check out about me, Randy, and Steph, get a whole bunch of information about the show, and all of our episodes, once again, will be posted there as well. If you wish to interact and leave some reviews for the episodes themselves, you can go to our forum at forums.earth2.net. You will find the Avatar of the Last Podcast forum subsection right underneath the Animazing Podcast subsection. Leave some reviews for the last podcast. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like, what you'd like to hear more of. We'd be happy to improve our show based on your suggestions if they're good. You can also leave us reviews on iTunes. It helps people find the show. More reviews gets us bumped to the top of the search list. And, you know, if you want to share this with people, always recommend it. Word of mouth is always a great way to spread the word about anything. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash Kellen Scrivens. I'm twitter.com slash whoisfriend. And I'm twitter.com slash Sockabell. Next time on Avatar The Last Podcast, we sit down to review the two-part epic, The Day of Black Sun. For Randy and Steph, I'm Kellen. Thank you very much for listening, and have yourself a good night.